This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. WGR Sports Radio 550. If you had a team, would you pick your son or Tim Tebow? Who would you pick? That's a stupid question, but more more important than being stupid on that point was the prior point that you just made about Tom Brady telling the ball boy to put a pin in in the ball. You have no evidence of that, and if you read any of the articles and discussions that have gone on on this thing for six months, you would know that you are full of crap. If you read the Wells report, which you probably didn't, Wells said that Brady cooperated 100%. The second thing that the Wells report said was, we don't need your phone. If you don't need somebody's phone, what the heck do you care what happens to the phone? So when you say that Brady is a liar, you better be careful, fella, because you don't know what the heck you're talking about. We know Goodell has lied. He lied in the Ray Rice case. He lied in this case. He has lied in the Pearson case. How many times do you need to know that this guy is a flaming liar? Have you ever heard Tom Brady? And when you say the ball boys put the balls under a pin, you better know what you're talking about because the ball boys have already testified that they didn't do that. The fact is that Wills didn't report it in his report. So you can't say what you don't know. Who's believing the NFL? It's a freaking kangaroo court. On WGR Sports Radio 550. Know the facts. If you're going to be on the radio, know the facts. I could listen to uh, salty Mr. Tom Brady's dad all morning long. Man, I love it. Good morning. Welcome in. WGR Sports Radio 550, your host here this morning, Nate Geary, with me, Brayton Wilson on the board doing the thing behind the uh, the glass window here. We've got uh, just one hour program this morning, a, uh, a two-hour tee to green, as should be with the U.S. Open uh, underway this weekend from Oakmont Country Club. Uh, but for me... Uh, we've got uh, we've got an interesting topic to talk about today, and uh, and Matthew Collar he'll be on at nine thirty to talk about it with me. He uh, actually got the idea from Matthew. Matthew tweeted out a link earlier in the week, um, and if you aren't familiar with this scenario, the Baltimore Ravens parted ways with their left tackle Eugene Monroe, and. If you don't know who Eugene Monroe is as a player, um, it would be basically if the Bills cut Cordy Glenn, um, just basically cut their franchise left tackle and yes he had some injury issues last year he's recovering from um, but there's definitely no doubt that uh, it was a head-scratching move for the Baltimore Ravens uh, especially a team that was not good last year and you're now you're cutting one of your your better players Eugene Monroe is one of the first active, he's right now one of the only current active NFL players, to publicly back the use of medical marijuana for pain management uh, for players. So the organization, uh, quote, didn't re- really rally behind the cause. That was, now that, this was on the Ravens' website. So I took some stuff off of the Ravens' website, as long as Pro Football Talk did an article on it as well, um, speaking to the use of medical marijuana in the NFL. Uh, John Harbaugh, uh, something that I, I thought was interesting in a quote from the article is, I promise you he does not speak for the organization. So there's clearly some... Um, 
some differences in opinion uh, between the organization and Eugene Monroe. Now, Monroe has been told he wasn't cut because of his stance on medical marijuana. It was strictly a business decision. There was no motive behind it. Uh, it, They didn't cut him because he's a spokesperson for medical marijuana, so they say. Uh, But there has been some outlying quotes that would suggest otherwise, that this team really didn't like the fact that Eugene was backing medical marijuana as an alternative for pain management, and ultimately I think it may have cost him his job. So what I want to talk about today is should NFL players be allowed to use medical marijuana for a alternative to pain management instead of using addictive pain pills? So, I did a little research over the week, and uh, I mean, I found a lot of really interesting stuff. So I want to hear from you guys. You know, I want to hear from the fans. I want to hear from people who watch NFL players all the time. Do you think that this is kind of petty? Should NFL players be able to use medical marijuana and not have to use addictive pain pills? I think it's a very interesting topic to talk about. I think there's probably a lot of people who have differing opinions on it. You know, I can see it on Twitter already. You know, someone says, well, then what is smoking crack cures teeth problems? I mean, I I don't even really consider that to be the same thing. To be honest, when I sit here and I look at some of the stats, um, and and there's one that there's a couple that really kind of stick out to me, um, and I think are very interesting. Is a study done in 2014 in the Journal of American Medical Association showed a significant decrease in opiate overdoses in the states that have adopted and implemented medical marijuana laws compared to states that did not. So states that decided they wanted to use medical marijuana for patients who suffer from anything from epilepsy to cancer to concussions. Hmm. The NFL, they're, they're yeah, because there's not there's not enough of a serious problem with concussions in the NFL as it is right now. The league, they they've got a concussion issue, if if I'm not mistaken. Actually, isn't this the same league that's been covering up research to hide the fact that concussions is one of their major issues facing the NFL moving forward in the popularity of the game and really the survival of the game moving forward? Isn't that that same league, Brighton? Uh, well, it's it. I will say it's not as bad as Gary Bettman trying to mm. deny the fact that CTE doesn't have a direct correlation with and the NHL and concussions. Right. I mean, at least the NFL is now willing, well, not really willing to. They were kind of forced to acknowledge the fact that CTE now has really, you know, long-lasting effects that are stemming from playing football, from head-to-head contact. And now you have a lot of these guys who are having life-altering issues after they play. Now, it's not just concussion issues. You know, these guys who have back issues, who, have, who tear their knees multiple times, who have rheumatoid arthritis, who have all this stuff that they're basically addicted to these pain pills, that they've these opiate pain pills that they've been taking since their injury when they got hurt. So, you know, a guy like Sammy Watkins, he's now in a boot, broken foot. I mean, I don't know if that's going to be a long-lasting issue for Sammy Watkins. So say he has to start taking pain pills to manage the pain. Is that something you want a 22-year-old kid starting? You want him to start taking opiate pain pills to relieve the pain in his foot? Ah, I don't know. I'm really ready for an alternative to opiate pain pills for these players. And if they're willing, and if these players don't want to do it, and they don't want to take these opiate pain pills, why are you being forced? Why is that their only way 
of feeling better. I it just it's pretty it's such an interesting topic to talk about. And again, I want to hear from you guys. 803-0550 is the number to call if you've got an opinion on it. I want to hear it. Uh, should players be allowed to use medical marijuana? And it's it's not just a recreational thing, guys. I'm, there There is study after study after study that indicates that medical marijuana, when used in the medical purpose, can really help concussions. And now, again, I, we go back to this whole concussion conversation where this league is currently having a huge, huge concussion issue. And as far as I know, Brayton, now you can correct me if, if you think I'm wrong, but medical marijuana, I don't, I don't really remember the last time hearing of a story of someone overdosing on marijuana. Now, how many stories do you think you probably hear a year that are fatalities due to opiate overdose? Now, I'll tell you a number. From 2010, 17,000 Americans died of opiate overdose compared to zero medical marijuana overdose. So that brings me to the point of why is this even really an argument? You've got a, a drug, an addictive drug, an opiate drug that is killing people and, and creating long lasting effects on not only themselves, but their families and we're really discussing, we're really debating the use of medical marijuana because of what? Because it's illegal? Well, how isn't opiates illegal? You know, it's, it's so, to me, it's very backwards and it doesn't make sense. And the troubling part is that the studies, the, the research, the science behind it all is overwhelming. There is no doubt in my mind and there's really no doubt in science's mind. That medical marijuana can help at least subside the pain of a lot of these, you know, players that are going to be dealing with injuries and pain for the rest of their lives. But let's head out to the phones and uh, and Ken. Ken, uh, Ken from Elma, you're on WGR. Good morning. Sorry, I'm sorry, on the exit. Uh, no I, worries. Tom, I knew uh, a few people that were addicted to opioids, including my mom. Yeah, I'm not cancer before she passed away, but she tried medical marijuana shortly before she died, and it was the only thing that allowed her to eat, um, and it really helped pain management better than opiates because once you go on an opiate, nothing else helps like that besides something that relaxes the central nervous system as opposed to kind of shut it down, which is what opiates do. And I had another comment. I know several players that have actually played on opiates. So we got to think about that. That's just straight-up abuse. And they've been told, told by trainers to take them. So I'll let you comment on that. Yeah, thanks, Ken. I appreciate your call there, and thanks for telling your story. Sorry to hear about your mom. Uh, uh, that's, it's great to hear, though, that towards the end she was, she was definitely feeling better with the use of medical marijuana, and I think that should just kind of go to show you. And I think your second point was also a terrific terrific point and it's that these players and it's not just the players it's these teams it's the medical staff that is telling these players that they need to use these to play like these guys their livelihood is at stake a lot of these guys can't play through some of the pain that they're that they're dealing with so what's the only way to allow these players to get their next paycheck and play in a game is to give them an opioid you bet your bottom dollar that these trainers and these training staffs are going to suggest these players use it. There's no doubt in my mind. 
Let's head out to the uh, phones again. TJ in East Aurora. TJ, you're on WGR. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm yeah. uh, kind of curious. Say the league does pass a medical marijuana bill where they're allowing injured players to use it. Uh, how is it going to look back on the stance with um, Justin Blackman and um, Josh Gordon? Like, is that going to say, oh, I'm sorry, time changed? Like, what, what stance are they going to have on that with NFL's Roger Goodell? Yeah, TJ, that's a great question. And, you know, there's definitely not an easy answer here. And, you know, I'm not claiming that there is. But I think that the that at least the NFL needs to take a hard look at their policies. Um, and 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 TJ, uh, I'll let you go there. But th- thank you for the call. Uh, you also have to realize that marijuana currently is a federally banned substance. It's under federal law is a banned substance, uh, and that's something that I think needs to change first uh, before the NFL can ultimately look at this as a possibility. But we, uh, for right now, we're going to bring in Ryan Gates uh, on the AT&T hotline. Ryan is the uh, producer for Show Up in the Bulldog in the afternoons on your drive home. Uh, Ryan, thanks for uh, coming in and talking to me this morning. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, good morning, Nate. How are you doing? Doing well. Uh, Ryan, we are talking medical marijuana this morning, and I wanted to get some of your opinions on it, uh, being the Mel Piper Jr. that you are. But more yeah. importantly, um, you know, we, we are in a unique position um, as fans and as media, and see a lot of these players deal with injuries all the time, and no one really ever asks why. They don't look deeper into injuries. You know, you just take an injury as it is, and you say, oh, well, he'll be back on the field. You don't ever really care about what goes in for a player, you know, to kind of come back from injury. What's your stance on this, um, you know, medical marijuana versus pain pills in the NFL, or really in just pro sports in general, as an alternative for pain management? Well, I think that the NFL should take a look at what they're doing obviously because i don't think they really have much of a right if the state that the player is playing in has laws in place where they're allowed to get medical marijuana they should be able to choose which way they want to relieve their pain i know there's a lot of states still that do not have those laws new york state just recently making those laws and the medical marijuana that you can get isn't even a smokable form. It's all in oil form. It comes in capsules, stuff like that. But if that's the way the player wants to choose to take their pain away, I don't think the NFL has a right to tell them no, and they should really take a look at their policies and let the players decide what goes in their body. If their players decide they don't want to you take these other chemicals, opioids, uh, whatever else that they're injections that they take before games to, to go to the game and take the pain away to be able to play. And they don't want to do that. I don't think the NFL should be telling these players what to do. And I understand the players feel a certain pressure to go out there and perform. They're making a lot of money. They want to win. They want to do what's right for their team and their fans and if a player decides, you know, I don't want to, you know, take a Vicodin or whatever pain pill you, you can name, they should have the right to be able to choose whichever way they want to take away their pain. We've got Ryan Gates on here on the AT&T Hotline. We're talking medical marijuana today. It's a bit of an uh, untalked-about subject, I think, Ryan, and it's almost taboo. Uh, people don't really want to talk about it, but I think you made a terrific point in talking about New York State um, and their new laws allowing medical marijuana in a smokeless form. Now, I think people really have this idea of these players you know, smoking before games or doing some sort of crazy stuff out of gas masks, or, and, but there are... <laughs> 
alternatives. There, there isn't just this smokable form of marijuana that is that could potentially help these players. I mean, maybe, maybe like as you pointed out, some there's some oils or some cannabis, whatever, um, that can help these players. I mean, do you think that maybe the stigma is that it's the smokable form of marijuana that really kind of creates this this taboo and stigma? I think it's just the stigma that surrounds marijuana in general. It's been, you know, federally banned for years, almost 100 years now. And it's just that the whole stigma around marijuana, the propaganda against it has been utterly ridiculous. And they make it almost a morality issue that if you decide to use the substance, that you're bad as a person morally. And I think that's just completely and utterly wrong. So I think it's just the stigma in general. People, a lot of people hear, you know, marijuana and they think, oh, it's it's this banned drug. It's terrible for you. What are you doing? You don't know what you're doing to yourself. And I just don't think that it's anyone's right to know what is personally best for each human. And it, once that stigma changes, and it's it's slowly coming around. You you've got the legalization in Oregon now and Washington. And obviously Colorado and more states are going to be coming around on this once they realize the revenue that's going to bring in. And once that stigma changes, I think everyone is going to realize, like, whoa, it isn't this thing that you use and it makes you crazy or it makes you lazy. Because I think that's one of the big stigmas, and I think that's why the NFL is – and the coaches are, are highly against it is because they're afraid their players are going to use it and they're not going to want to work out or whatever. So once all those stigma changes and they realize that it's not this substance that makes you useless, uh, things will come around. Ryan Gates here. We're talking medical marijuana. Ryan, uh, one more thing before I, I let you go for your, for your weekend here. I guess my stance on this whole situation looking at the NFL, I have a pretty unique stance. I've suffered many uh, concussions in my playing days. Mm-hmm. Um, I've suffered from post-concussion syndrome uh, pretty badly. I, I've had a lot of anxiety issues since my concussions, um, and I'd probably be the first to tell you if I thought there was something out there that I felt comfortable using that would help me in a lot of the things that I suffered with in my post-concussion syndrome, and somebody told me that it was literally plant matter <laughs> that is proven, research is proven to help in traumatic brain injuries in reducing both, not, not just post-concussion syndrome, but physically reducing swelling and bruising on the brain. Right. Don't you think a league who is right now struggling to look itself in the mirror with this whole brain injury issue and you have guys who are literally taking their lives because of the traumatic brain injuries that they've that they've gotten over the course of their career and you're going to tell me that a league that's dealing with all of these issues isn't really ready to look into a plant that can help reduce this issue i to me it's just it's it's mind-boggling i think it's just the league in, in whole they they don't really have their players' best interests at heart. And I think if you really look at the league, it's pretty easy to see that they're all about the revenue. And I think they're afraid of what their image might be if they're one of the first. Really, the NFL is such a huge establishment in the United States. And 
it could be a leader. It could be a leader in how things are looked at across America. I mean, you looked at the Ray Rice situation, for instance, and everyone knew it was wrong. And the NFL was kind of twiddling their thumbs for a while on it until the video came out. And then the video came out and everyone saw that video and was like, whoa, we need to take a step back here and criticize the NFL for what they're doing. This is not acceptable. And this might be a little bit different of a situation, but if the science is there and there's facts to back it up and you truly do want to have your players' best interests at heart, you need to take a look at, I don't care if it's medical marijuana, I don't care if it is the opioids or whatever substance that it is. If there is research proven that these substances are going to help your players with future injuries, uh, if it takes the pain away, whatever it is, you need to take a look at it because in the end, it's the players that are making your product. And if you don't have the players out there on the field, if, if this can get players back out on the field quicker, I'm, the NFL is, is just dumb to, to not take a look at it because that is your product right there. And you need to be able to protect your players and move forward and not be worried about what kind of stigmas you're going to face because people are going to come, people are going to watch, they're coming regardless. So right. as long as your players are still there, you got a product. All right, Ryan, thanks, so, thanks a lot for coming on with me this morning. Uh, I think it's a great topic and something that we should definitely you know, look at, especially moving forward, and I think it's something the league is going to undoubtedly have to look at when there's more and more players like Eugene Monroe who are going to be advocates for this because they do see all of the benefits. Um, I, I think the conversation and the narrative is only going to gear up from here. So I appreciate you coming on and getting the, getting the conversation started. Uh, I appreciate it, buddy, and have a good weekend. Yeah, you too, Nate. Thanks. Ryan Gates there. And uh, before we head to break, I do. there's a couple other things I want to get to before we talk to Matthew Collar because we're going to get his opinions on this as well. Um, he kind of really jump-started this whole narrative for me to get the conversation going, in my mind at least. And, uh, and so I'm going to get his opinion next uh, when we have him on. But I thought this is something else to, to really bring up and, and really kind of debunk, debunk um, the notion that medical marijuana or marijuana in general hurts athletes' ability to perform at the highest level. Um, now, this is a quote from Business Insider. So this isn't like some hippie magazine, some, you know, Grateful Dead magazine. This is a Business Insider look. And uh, here's the quote. It says, researchers looking into risk factors of heart disease tested lung function, lung function of 5,100 young adults over the course of 20 years. Tobacco smokers lost lung function over time, but pot smokers actually showed an increase in lung capacity. An increase and lung capacity, pot smokers. So uh, I'm just, I, I haven't, in, in my research, so in my hours of research that I was really kind of diving into this, I didn't find one article other than like a Fox News article saying that pot kills people, that medical marijuana has any real bad side effects for not only athletes, but People who are, as as a caller mentioned earlier, his mom was dying of MS and, and I believe he said cancer. And there was the only way she would eat. It was the only way she would feel better. That's a, someone terminally ill whose only remedy that helped her was medical marijuana. And this is something that the league won't even uh, approach 
for their players and their player safety. And a league that, quote-unquote, really cares about player safety, um, you know, it's definitely something we'll continue to talk about here. So Matthew Collar, he'll be on next. He'll give us his opinion on the medical marijuana subject. And uh, we'll continue taking your calls next here on WGR. All right, welcome back into WGR Sports Radio 550. Your host here, Nate Geary, Brayton Wilson on the board, and we are going to head out right to the phones, the AT&T hotline where I've got Matthew Collar. Uh, Matt, how are you doing this morning? Hey, Nate, how are you? I'm doing really well, Matt. Uh, we're talking about medical marijuana this morning, and I got this whole idea from a tweet that you had earlier in the week, um, so I thought you'd be the perfect guy to bring in to talk about it because, you know, you're the one that uh, that got this going for me in my mind. Um, so, I saw, as I said, I saw your tweet, so I kind of have an idea of where, what your stance is on this whole thing, but, you know, do you think that this medical marijuana thing is maybe not going to go away? Maybe it's something that the league is going to eventually have to address uh, moving forward, I mean, what is your opinion on this whole? I guess at this point, it's an issue. Yeah, the the tweet that I had was from Eugene Monroe, who was an offensive lineman for the Ravens, and he was recently released. And he was saying that part of the reason that he was released, he thinks, is because he has been an advocate for the NFL taking marijuana off their banned substance list. And the argument for it from Monroe, which I completely agree with, is that the number of painkiller addictions that are happening amongst NFL players, I mean, if you just think about, you could sort of go back to what Doug Whaley said about humans and playing football, and what Doug Whaley really meant is if you play football, you are going to come away with a lot of injuries. You are going to come away with surgeries. And, I mean, it's sort of funny, right, when Shaq Lawson – has the shoulder surgery, there's a lot of freak out. But, look, that's what happens in the offseason to lots of players. They have to undergo surgeries. And what often happens, just like in society, football players are prescribed uh, painkillers. And I was just reading a a stat before I I came on with you that one in four people uh, ends up with some sort of addiction to painkillers that is forced to use them after surgery. And if you think about the number of NFL players who are taking painkillers, I mean, it even goes back to the New Orleans Saints had a uh, scandal with with painkillers and and players becoming addicted and overprescribing. And the same thing with Derek Bugard for the New York Rangers. If you read the long-form profile uh, of of him, it was a major contributing factor to his death. Uh, and, And you compare that as a pain solution to marijuana, and I think it's pretty obvious, and Eugene Monroe has been talking about this a lot, that it is much better in terms of pain management than super powerful uh, painkillers. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point about this. It's kind of overwhelming, the evidence at this point, for the good of medical marijuana. So to you, what do you think the pushback is? Is it, is it public? Is it... Is it image reasons that maybe the NFL just isn't ready to have that sort of stigma on them that they're a you know a pot smoking league or something? I mean, if you look at the NBA, the NBA doesn't test for for marijuana, and there's not really any issues. You don't see players getting in trouble with it, uh, not on a regular basis, or they're never in the news. So, what do you think the pushback is if all this evidence seems to be kind of overwhelming in like for medical marijuana? 
Yeah, the NBA and Major League Baseball have made the testing or uh, sort of banning of it so light or punishment for it so light that you never hear of anybody getting punished for, for using marijuana. And nobody has really noticed or, or had a problem with it, I mean, in part because we have entire states that have just flat-out legalized marijuana. And the last time I checked, none of them have um, crumbled, right, <laughs> since they legalized it. Um, but, you know, I think uh, there are a couple of contributing factors, and one of them is perception, that the NFL – um, you might use the Bills media policy as uh, evidence of this, that the NFL cares about perception more than any other league. They are number one at the top by far, protect the shield uh, in front of everything else. And I think they know that there is still the perception that, you know, using marijuana makes you some sort of criminal, right? Or that, that people tend to, to look down on that. And, I think that that perception is completely changing in America, and the fact that you have states that are legalizing it is, is kind of evidence of that. But the NFL still cares a lot about that. And, and in terms of legalizing it in states and things like that, um, I think it has a lot to do with um, just that drug companies are really powerful. I mean, that they have a lot of money. They have a lot of lobbies. They have uh, – there's a, there are a lot of politicians who take a lot of money – and it would take politicians to make changes here, but the NFL, see, they don't, they don't need that. Right. They, they could just, they could just say, hey, we're not going to test for it anymore, and they could do it quietly. They don't even have to go out all out and say, hey, we're, uh, you know, going to make sure that everybody can smoke all the weed they want. And uh, they could just say, you know, we're changing our drug policy, and no one would ever even look at it outside of a couple of reporters, and they would forget about it uh, the next day. That seems to be the common-sense solution. For the rest of America, well, I, I think that's going to take a while. But at least for the NFL, they could follow the other leagues and say, our policy on marijuana is so light that no one ever gets suspended for it. Right, and I mean, uh, Matthew Collar on here, the AT&T hotline. We're talking medical marijuana this morning, uh, <clears throat> and this is all kind of based off Eugene Monroe. He's a tackle for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, and Matthew, uh, just to talk about the Ravens for a second before we kind of get back into medical marijuana, um, I mean... Maybe give light to people. I tried to kind of compare what Eugene Monroe would be like a player for the Bills if they just decided to cut. I mean, this isn't a guy that's not playing for them. This is a significant player for the Baltimore Ravens, a significant piece for their offensive line that they're parting what? ways with. Uh, yes and no. I mean, they draft the offensive lineman uh, with the first-round pick, uh, Ronnie Stanley. Mm -hmm. And I think they would probably argue that Eugene Monroe hasn't spent a lot of time on the field over the last couple of years, even though he's a tremendous player and he had a cap hit of $6 million. So from a football move, if they saw that Stanley was looking really good and was going to be their day one starter at tackle, then they may have said, from a football standpoint, uh, okay, you know, this is a player with a big cap hit that you would naturally decide to release. However, I think we've seen in professional sports in general, but especially the NFL, that if the story becomes more about you than the star players or the other team, that that does not sit very well. And that even goes for um, someone like Tim Tebow. That I mean, I'm not saying that Tim Tebow was a good quarterback, but the guy won a playoff game and he went, I think, what, 8-6 and six or something like that. I mean, compare that to Jimmy Clausen, who was still in the league last year. Jimmy Clausen might be the worst NFL quarterback that I have ever seen and there is no way that Jimmy Clausen is a better option than Tim Tebow, at quarterback. And yet Tim Tebow does not get a job because 
he's a distraction. So teams always say with a backup quarterback, well, forget that. We're going to take the worst player who's just going to fade into the background. And, you know, this even goes for Michael Sam, who is probably good enough to play in the NFL somewhere. You think about the number of players that get hurt, the number of special teamers that are needed. Uh, The guy was a good enough college player to probably belong somewhere, but when he played for the Rams, it was a big story and a big distraction, and it really came off as teams just didn't want to deal with that. And that might be the same thing with Eugene Monroe, that you know when an athlete really starts to make a movement that especially goes against what the NFL's policy is, um, you know that's usually what we end up seeing in the NFL. And it's, it's really unfortunate that the only players that have any sort of power like that are someone like Richard Sherman, who is a superstar. So when he comes out and says stuff, uh, they they just sort of have to take it, you know. Yeah. Plus, I mean, I can really appreciate anyone who can work Tim Tebow into a sentence. So that was that was really great. I appreciate that uh, that addition. But, I mean, this kind of goes back to what you were talking about last week, Matt. I think it was either last week or the week before when we were talking about Muhammad Ali and these players or these athletes that they just don't say anything on or off the field anymore because this is the kind of stuff that you see. I mean, nobody can have an unpopular stance anymore and not be ridiculed or have to worry about losing their job over it. I mean, and that kind of goes into what you were talking about, what you've been talking about over the past few weeks where – the sports world kind of lacks that now. There's nobody that's going to speak out on social issues because ultimately, even though this is a league issue, this is a societal issue. This is something much bigger than it. There's a stigma in society about medical marijuana. And and I think it goes deeper than just the league. I mean, I don't know what you think about it, but I mean, in society, it appears that athletes and players like Monroe just can't stand for anything like this without being just ridiculed. Yeah, from the society standpoint... Uh, They're holding press conferences regularly everywhere around the country, including Buffalo. If you listen to our sister station, WBEN, talking about opioid addiction and painkillers and and how many uh, related deaths and overdoses there are per year. Well, you know how many overdoses there are of marijuana per year? It's going to be zero. There's none. And there's a pain management, um, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, using it for pain management is a much better idea in a lot of situations, but, you know, uh, we're, I guess we're still working toward that societally. When it comes to athletes speaking out, I mean, one of the things that made Muhammad Ali so special is that he was willing to do it as, as being such a huge superstar. And if you look back on his career, you talk about how difficult that was to do. And for Eugene Monroe, it's, probably very difficult he's facing a lot of pushback uh, from the nfl and then losing his job maybe in part because of it it's not easy and i understand why athletes don't tend to do it and i you know i think it really is telling that every nfl player i'm sure that has gone through this knows that eugene monroe is right but how many have jumped behind him and said yeah you know we're, we're gonna we're gonna get behind this cause very few because they don't want to face the pushback, whether it's publicly to their brand, to their image, or to their job. And you could say the same for uh, Jason Collins, the player who came out in the NFL, or Michael Sam, that Jason Collins was immediately out of the NBA after he came out. He played a couple of games for Brooklyn and then was gone. And Michael Sam never got in the game, and he was gone. And, I mean, you, you don't think other players who might want to come out. You don't think they see that? You don't think that they know that that guy lost his job? 
it's probably not worth it for a lot of times. It's very difficult. And I think that's just the atmosphere that we create uh, as teams, as media, social media, that it becomes even harder than it was when Muhammad Ali was around for athletes to fight for a cause. And that, to me, is, is very unfortunate. Matthew, one more thing on the stigma, and I, and I thought Ryan Gates, who uh, who I had in the first segment, uh, come on and, and speak to it a little bit, and and maybe it's more of the stigma of the actual action of smoking, and and I, I think that's what it has to come to because I mean if you remember cigarettes, I mean up until like the 30s and 40s, I mean it was common that if women were not supposed to smoke cigarettes in public like for them to be shown in a commercial smoking cigarettes was like a really big thing like it was a society thing that women just did not smoke cigarettes and now you know it's cigarettes are everywhere and it's just one of those things but do you think maybe it's the action of smoking that is the stigma of why people have so much pushback on medical marijuana when there is so many other I mean in New York State alone Ryan had mentioned that you know, smokeless marijuana is what has been legalized for the medical marijuana field. So it wasn't actually a smokable version of the drug. So to you, in your mind, is it maybe just that stigma of, of smoking that, that maybe is the reason that people are pushing back on this so much? Yeah, I don't, that could be it. I'm not sure. I, I think that, you know, a long time ago, I don't know what year exactly or what decade exactly, we decided that this was an evil thing to do. Maybe it was um, when they started to make the laws really harsh uh, against marijuana, that if you were selling or had marijuana, you were going to, to jail and that sort of thing. I, I mean, maybe it was, it was then when people started to view it as a really bad thing to do. To be honest, I don't know where it came from. I've always grown up in... Uh, you know, in America where you know a lot of people who smoke pot who aren't bad people. And I I don't think that anyone of our age, the the millennials, views it as anything serious, especially as we've watched um, states legalize it. I I mean, you do wonder if it was just sort of, I don't know, an excuse to criminalize people. I mean, it's really that puzzling comparing uh, the, the effects versus what some of the punishments have been, and they've, and they've lightened a lot. And, I mean, to me, it's, you know, it's a decision that anybody can make uh, on their own what they want to do. But as it relates to the pain management thing, um, you know, that's where I would be a major advocate of it because the effects of it and, and the consequences of using it are just so much less than it could be for the painkillers. But what marijuana does not have is, um, you know, huge advocacy groups that can – pay politicians more or less to to get their uh, needs taken care of, which the pharmaceutical companies can do that. So I, I think we're going to have to keep waiting, but you have to applaud, I think, Eugene Monroe for taking a stance on this and pointing out to people that he has a lot of friends in the league and people around the NFL who have struggled post-career. You think about what guys are already going through post-career with injuries and concussions and all those things that they're dealing with, and then you add on top of it that they may have to deal with pain medication, medication addiction. And then, I mean, then we wonder why ex-players are struggling so much. I mean, you know, I, I think what Eugene Monroe is saying is, like, we can at least, we can't stop injuries from playing football, but we can at least manage them better. And this is one way that we can. And you figure if it was named something else, not marijuana, and you just looked at the effects of it and what it, it can do for pain management, you would say, well, this is an easy choice 
but instead it, it has the stigma like you mentioned. Yeah, no, that's a great point, Matthew. Matthew, thanks for coming on with me and talking this morning. I think it was it's something that uh, doesn't really get talked about a lot because, again, there's that stigma around it. People don't really want to talk. They don't want to sound like they smoke pot themselves, so they don't want to talk about it. But I think it's something that absolutely needs to be brought to the front, you know, to the front of the stage. And Eugene Monroe is doing what he can. Uh, but I think it's going to take more than just one player in the league for uh, for any kind of change to happen. So thank you for coming on and talk with me, Matt, and uh, for tweeting that out. It really got my uh, my brain turning on it, so I appreciate it. Sure, yeah, sure thing, Nate. All right, buddy, have a good weekend. Matthew Collar there. Uh, we had a pretty good conversation there, uh, Matthew and I. And Matt, as I mentioned before, Matthew kind of got the uh, the conversation, the narrative going in my mind. Um, a little bit earlier in the week, and and from then on, I just kind of ran with it and. Um, Again, a lot of good stuff there uh, from Matthew. And if you missed any of the interview with him or from Ryan, we will have the uh, show up on the on-demand section of our website, WGR550.com, if you missed anything. So uh, we will uh, head to break here. We will wrap things up when I get back. Uh, Some movement happening at the U.S. Open, so we'll uh, touch on that briefly and close this medical marijuana book uh, for the day for good. So uh, up next, we'll we'll do all that good stuff here right on WGR. All right, final segment here this morning on WGR Sports Radio 550. Brayden, right as we were going into this segment, I thought of an awesome nickname for, like, most of us Buff State guys here at the radio station. Oh, yeah? What's that? The Carless Cluster. (laughs) I like that. That is good, right? And right as I was coming in, I'm like, wow, we're like the Carless Cluster. We're going to we're gonna have to tell him about this. We're going to have to tell him to listen. Hopefully he's listening right now. But anyways, uh, an interesting show today. Uh, I appreciate uh, your feedback on Twitter and some of your calls. Um, I thought it was a very interesting topic. I kind of thought that we might get the, uh, get the narrative going this weekend a little bit here with just an hour uh, on. I will be back next week with two hours, so don't you worry. Next week is going to be an interesting one, Brayton. Uh, something going on next week? I think it's something, uh, the NHL draft. The draft? Is it the NHL draft? Yeah, I think that's okay, I think cool. it's close. And it's, it's downtown. It's, yeah. it's right here at home. Right in Buffalo. So I actually had somebody call in. I don't know if you know this, Brayton. Uh, somebody asked the question, is day two of the draft free? To my understanding, it is. Okay. Yes. So if you want to, and also on Friday evening, so uh, obviously tickets are sold out for the first round, the first day of the draft, so don't threat, though. You can still go down to Harbor Center. They've got tons of stuff going out down at Canal Side um, all weekend for the draft festivities, so uh, don't feel as though you got to sit at home. Uh, if you want to otherwise sit in the car and listen to us, we'll be... Uh, We'll be spitting at you Saturday morning. Live and local all day we're, I have the feeling we're going to be breaking down a, uh, a pretty significant, probably that whole first hour, breaking down that first pick, um, whoever it may be. Or if it's a trade, uh, we'll be breaking that down as well. And then second hour, we'll really dive into some of the other prospects you can expect um, the Sabres to be looking at in day two. Also, if uh, if you've missed any of the draft profiles that we've had on WGR550.com, you will be able to see a, a full page of all the prospects and the links for each prospect uh, on WGR550.com coming up this week. And there will be another podcast coming up uh, coming later on today. And we'll have number prospect number 10 coming on Monday. And then we'll have our first and only mock draft coming up on Friday. 
perfect. So uh, Brayton's been working hard on that stuff. Uh, so give it a read and give his uh, his podcast a listen. So he uh, he's got his stuff on lockdown for the NHL draft. All right. So for Brayton Wilson, I'm Nate Geary. Uh, again, thank you to all of you that uh, joined in on the conversation today. I thought it was an interesting one to talk about, and I'm sure it won't be the last we hear of it or talk about it. So again, for Brayton Wilson, Nate Geary, this is WGR. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.